Welcome back to the show. This week, I talked to Charles Gossett, who is a motivational and educational speaker, life coach, and founder of Full Integration Coaching. We talked about happiness, fulfillment, and finding and living your purpose. It was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy too. Here it is. Digging in the crates for something. Hey, is this Charles? It is. This is Jay? Yes, it is. Hey, how are how you? How are you? Oh, <laughs> doing good. Doing good here. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Um, the first thing I want to tell you is that I listened to your podcast, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Um, I was listening to the one you did with our mutual friend, Marnie, a little while ago. And then I also listened to the one about your story, which I thought was great and i don't want to get into all the details about it because i think people should go and listen to it but you know you got into addiction and recovery and relationships and then ultimately finding your purpose and what you want to do in life which i think those things are um those are big topics and conversations that i have so i thought that was awesome so uh i really i just want to let you know that i really appreciate your podcast but also um Listening to that, I learned a little bit about life coaching, which I didn't know much about before. So I was hoping just to kind of kick it off, you can you can talk about what that means, because I've gone to therapy for a number of years, but I don't know a lot about life coaching. And I imagine there are a lot of other people that don't, too. Right. Yes. No. Thank you for listening in, by the way, to the podcast. I've listened to a couple of your episodes on miscellaneous important stuff as well. Thank you. And Yeah, and I've enjoyed it immensely. And as I told you in my email to you, your I'm calling it your intro video um, is phenomenal. So for those that haven't seen it, go visit it. Go visit Jay's site and go check out uh, the intro video. It's outstanding work. I appreciate that. I spent a lot of time on it and that's, yeah, it's something I'm proud of. Yeah. Well, okay, so a little bit about me. Um, my story involves recovery from alcoholism. That's, that's probably one of the biggest events in my life that changed the overall trajectory of where I was headed. And uh, the short of it is I was um, alcoholic for 16 years, starting from about the age of 15 or so. Um, like many people, you know, teenagers that looking for a thrill, looking for... Uh, you know, something dangerous to do and getting drunk fit that for me. Um, I once, once I experienced intoxication for the first time, this is true of a lot of alcoholics and addicts, then, um, I was hooked. I didn't know it then, but it was something that I say I wanted to make a regular part of my routine from that moment on. Um, and for me growing up, I'm a, I'm a really sensitive type person. I can say that without cringing anymore. Um, <laughs> You know, that's just how, how I was brought into this crazy place. Yeah. And, you know, I'm wired that way. And a lot of my resistance to that, to the way that I am, caused me to want to escape. And uh, once I got drunk the first time, you know, 
that evaporated. My anxiety, my self-doubt, uh, my perfectionism, the pain that I had uh, in, emotionally and psychologically seemed to just go away, at least temporarily. And so those were profound effects on me. And uh, it allowed me to be a different version of myself than I could be otherwise. Um, really, to try to shorten the story, because folks can listen to, to my story in other ways, but once, once I got sober and recovered, um, I'm still married to the woman that I was married to during my drinking days. So shout out to Christy for, for being my wife and, uh, and doing all the things that she needed to do to take care of herself and our kids when she made some really tough decisions to move out with them. Uh, but when I did get sober and we agreed I could come back home, life started to change. It was already changing once I, I found sobriety through treatment centers and psychiatric institutions and psychologists and psychiatrists and the 12 steps, sober living house. And once that finally took for me, uh, I had a new lease online. <clears throat> and for so many years, I really, there was a part of me that didn't think that was going to ever be possible. <clears throat> I thought, you know, if I made it to 30, a lot of us think that it turns out, but I thought if I made it to 30, I was going to be lucky. Um, I did. I'm older than that now. Um, and once I moved back home and we started new routines and new ways of talking to one another in the house, uh, new ways of parenting, uh, I, find, I found out that I wanted to do something new in the world, too. And what I discovered is that I was able to reconnect with who I really am. Uh, and like I said at the beginning, I'm really wired to be sensitive and inward looking. Um, one of my core values is integrity, you know, trying to be who I say that I am and do the things that are in line with who I think I am. Uh, it's more challenging, you know, as you, as you really walk that walk. But uh, I was able to start doing that. And so I started feeling happier, you know, uh, no coincidence. Uh, and as I got healthier, and stayed sober, I wanted to do something with my life that mattered. And I'd done some things that mattered before, but I really wanted to make an impact. And that's where purpose comes in. Um, so you just cut in anytime you'd like, but you know, that's, that's where things uh, took a really different turn for me. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I, you know, listening to your story, I felt like I had a connection to you right away just because, I mean, I was sort of on the other end of it. I, uh, there's a lot of alcoholism in my family. So I had, you know, that part, but also I feel like I've always been sort of a sensitive person and, you know, you talked about just wanting to help other people find their purpose as well as finding yours. And that's, that's something that's become really important to me because I feel like not enough people do that and, you know, a lot of people could be living a better life, a more fulfilling life, a happier life, and they just don't know how to make that happen. And when they're not searching for that, it makes me sad, really. And so it's just hearing your story, I thought was really refreshing to to hear from where you were to where you're at now and then what you're doing for other people. Yeah, thank you. And that's good for me to know that you're on the other side of it. Um, in 12-step language, sometimes we say there's two sides to every coin in, uh, in addiction. <clears throat> and one side is the alcoholic, and the other side is everybody else. 
the family yeah. members, the loved ones. And it runs very deep. Addiction, alcoholism, suicide uh, runs very deep on both sides of my family. So uh, if my daughters listen to this episode, just remember, <laughs> you are very likely to encounter it. Uh, yeah, so, right. And I had been separated from that sense of like connectedness, interconnectedness that Somebody like me really longs for when I'm lined up with who I am, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, and people like me tend to be pretty unhappy when we're not. And when I started doing that, I thought, okay, well, I want to take what I've learned on the inside of myself and in my close relationships and do something out there in the world. And I started volunteering. I had lost my career job through my alcoholism, rightfully. Um, and so I was looking for other work, and I, I did service-type work. I did AmeriCorps, which is like the Peace Corps at home here sure. in Oklahoma City. And as I was serving other people who were at risk and in need and coming out of addiction or gangs and uh, troubled lives, I found it really rewarding, you know, because I had gone through my own suffering and was coming out the other side. <clears throat> and so I had lived experience that was actually useful. Um, and so for anyone listening, you know, you may be in the throes of addiction and thinking about getting sober. You're going to have, if you're a helper type and want to make a difference, you're going to come out if you do get sober with so much lived experience that you can benefit others with in ways that you'll never be able to imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, going through anything tough in life, I, I think it's, um, it's almost better. Not that anybody wants to deal with anything like that, but it you you benefit if you can get through the to the other side just what you can do for other people and the way you can appreciate your own life i think if you know how bad it can be absolutely i agree 100 percent with that um you know we're more alike than we are different and we all suffer you know we're all in this the throes of coronavirus and quarantine and isolation and which spurred me to, I saw, you know, I follow you on Instagram and I thought, you know, you're looking for guests in this time of quarantine. And I thought, absolutely. Uh, for one thing, I need to talk to people. Sure. And, you know, and then hopefully our conversation will help others. And yeah, know. I hope so. I mean, that was, um, you know, that, that post that I made for anybody who doesn't know, it was just opening up the show for anybody to call in, um, and be a guest on the show. And, you know, it was as much me wanting to be helpful as it was me being selfish in a way, just cause I also need to be connected and stay active and do something where I'm talking to other people because I can, very easily sort of retreat back into myself and not stay out there, not talk to people. I can get a little too comfortable being alone. So, you know, I really appreciate you reaching out and filling out the form and, um, coming on the show because this is just as helpful for me as I hope it is for other people. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, and, so we could go anywhere with this, but eventually after I started giving back and doing some other work, I found that I was getting more and more in line with how I really am. You know, I, I believe that this is me talking, but I don't believe that we can be anything we want to be or anyone that we want to be, but we can be more of who we are. And uh -huh. the more in touch I am at least with 
the patterns and the trends and the personality, the gifts, uh, the strengths that I have, the better I seem to be at living. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the bigger difference, the bigger impact, and, and I guess you could do with the word effective, the more effective I seem to be in the roles that I play too. Yeah. What, um, what, um, you, you kind of touched on a little bit, but what was it that, that made you think this is what I, my purpose is sort of helping other people find their purpose in a way like what, or what was it that pushed you in that direction? Well, I noticed, I, I'm still, even in my alcoholism, I noticed that I'm a connector, you know, and I'm a visionary type. And I noticed that in the, in the work roles that I could do, that I could, even when I was dysfunctional, I could at least be somewhat functional at work and help make um, processes better and relationships better and find innovative ways to get things done and partnerships and collaboration. So I already knew that I had that uh, those types of skills in my belt but um, I had thought of going into psychology right out of college and that was my first degree I pursued psychology and then I had a really bad year <laughs> and, uh, at OU and um, the next couple of years were really rough so I, I got sidetracked from my initial path that I was on but once I got sober, I picked back up on those threads, and I was uh, the last position I positions I had before coming into coaching were with the school system. Okay, and I was a te- teacher assistant. I was working really closely because I wanted to make a difference when when people are young and uh, you know be a positive influence and stuff like that. And I loved it, but the school system itself isn't a great work environment. Sure, <laughs> so. I thought I need more small batch type work. I need to need to work one on one or in small groups with with folks that really want a better life and they want to make a difference in the world, and they know they need a little bit of help to do it. And I thought, well, I did some research and I found out about coaching. I knew nothing about it six years ago, uh, five or six, and went and got trained. And I thought, yeah, this is exactly what I need to be doing. Yeah. And how do you, uh, what does that look like when you take on a new client? Like, what are you actually doing with the people you're working with? And you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, you talked about psychology, how is coaching different than, you know, traditional therapy or counseling? Right. That's a really important question. And it's one that really needs to be discussed. Uh, I have a lot of folks in, um, the therapeutic fields and the mental health industry and including my colleague. Uh, and I won't say your name publicly, I suppose, but, but, uh, my friend and colleague is, is a, a counselor and we work closely together. We do our own thing, but we also team up and do retreats and stuff. And of course, refer to one another, but there are important differences. Uh, and then I'll get to kind of what I do. Okay. It's, it's similar in some ways, in terms of um, the process itself. So sitting down for an hour, having a conversation about stuff in your life, uh, and then me providing space for you to do that, some tools and strategies, et cetera. Um, But uh, what's really different between coaching and therapy is that coaching does not diagnose or treat mental health issues at all. So when people come to me, I don't treat depression, PTSD, any kind of trauma, 
I don't treat uh, treat active addiction. I can be supportive, but for those that are in recovery, um, any type of psychosis, we don't do that. Coaches that are trained and certified, they know better, unless they're also certified to do mental health. <clears throat> but yeah. what life coaching, well, life coaching as I define it, it's uh, non-directive, means I don't tell people what to do, co-creative, so it's really a partnership designed to maximize personal and professional potential. So it's working with an individual who's relatively functional, okay. who, who can who can get stuff done on their own and needs a little bit of help sorting things out and uh, coming up with a plan to move forward. Yeah, I imagine that it's also, you know, you don't you're not treating them you're not you're not a psychologist but you also you are sensitive to those um to to mental illness so you have some knowledge of it where you can maybe point them in the right direction what they you know where they can get help but you're not the one diagnosing which i think is probably pretty important just being sensitive to that where others may just not have that same understanding yeah it makes me a a better friend for other therapists in the field because coaching is not well known in Oklahoma. Um, and I knew that too. I thought, well, this is kind of cool. When I went in, I got trained and I'm certified and I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm really going to go for this. But even then there are counselors, therapists, psychologists out there who have a very bad view of life coaches. Understandably in many cases, sometimes not as much. Sure. But, you know, when, when people like me are out there trying to say that we can help you with trauma or depression, uh, we can get in over our heads really, really quick, you know, and the danger is when, when a, when a client, um, has an unfortunate incident in their life and that affects not only the coach, but the whole industry when really they needed to be seeing a therapist. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And so I do look for those signs and, and really you can use coaching to help that individual transition. And that's our ethic. That's our responsibility to help transition that person towards therapy. Yeah. And that makes sense because, you know, I'm in therapy, but that doesn't mean that I don't need other people in my life that are going to help me succeed. It's not, I'm alone and then I have a therapist and that's it. It's like, there are a lot of people that, that help me figure things out. There are a lot of people I talk to that I talk through things with. And so I can see why that would, you know, that still fits in, but what, I guess, what is the, the general view from, from like a therapist? You said they have, some of them have just a negative view. What are their like specific thoughts or comments on life coaching? I guess. It is an unregulated field. Okay. So like many new fields all throughout, including law and medicine and uh, even therapy, there's a period of time in our country's history when, when it is uh, either very minimally regulated or unregulated. Uh, the term hanging a shingle, if you've heard that for business owners out there, you can hang your shingle. Uh, that I believe came from the field of law where literally you could just say you could hang a, a, a wooden shingle outside your door and tell people that you were a lawyer oh, uh, wow. or a related professional. So fact check me people. I always ask for that. But, um, so life coaching is similar. You don't have to have training. You can call yourself a life coach and, and I don't shame anyone that's doing that right now that may be hearing this. Sure. You know, there's great coaches out there. And likewise, any therapist listening, there's bad therapists out there who are certified. Um, so it goes both ways. 
But that's one of the primary concerns. It's unregulated. And even though there are really great um, guidelines for coaches, which I abide by uh, through the International Coach Federation, um, not everyone does. And, and that can be problematic. Well, then I think maybe maybe it's also important to talk about uh, the certifications you have. I see you have a list on your website, but I wonder, like, what does that involve to get those different certifications? Like, what kind of training are you getting for something like that? Yeah, so my training program back in, let's see if I can get the years right, 2013 into 2014, I believe it was an eight-month program. The organization's called the Institute for professional excellence in coaching or okay. IPEC, IPEC for short. And anyone that looks them up, you'll see they have a really great reputation. Um, they're all over North America and into Europe. Uh, they just expanded a couple years ago and, and some other countries. And I have, I'm part of a big group of us IPEC coaches. I think there's seven or 8,000 in this Facebook group and all over the world. Um, and it's really great to have that kind of resources, resource reach. But yeah, so I went through that training, which involved, it's very rigorous. Um, there's three, uh, all weekend, 10 hour day trainings. I think they call them modules. Yeah. Three modules wow. over those eight months. And then in between you're continually daily on coaching calls, either being like a, you know, a, a, a a pretend client or in a coaching role. And then you also have a mentor coach who's through IPEC who's trained. Okay. Um, yeah. And then lots of assignments. So it's, it's coursework, you know, it's another class. Yeah. So I did that. And then you, you know, you pass their test and then you're, you're certified through IPEC, but then there's another uh, international certification, which IPEC qualifies for. They, you have to be an accredited institution, which they are, um, and pass that test and maintain your certification. And that's the International Coach Federation or ICS. So I'm also, I'm an ICS certified coach. Okay. And you said you have to maintain your certification. So you have to do, continue to do work. Is right. that okay? Yeah. Continued education, uh, working with, uh, other coaches who are certified, um, Yes. Yeah. So which, continuing education. Yeah. Which I think is important because yeah, if you just have the, the certification, but then you, you know, you don't do it for 10 years and then somehow you're still qualified that, you know, that's not helping anybody. No, that's right. And that's why they're, they're trying to posture themselves to be the uh, regulatory agency. Once that happens for coaching, I, that's why I got trained. Cause I knew I'd be, I was lined up with who I am. I'm like, I'm going to be doing this for a while. And I think the industry is going to change. So it's really just strategic and they're a great training organization too. Yeah. Um, do you have just from the people that you've worked with and you don't have to say any, um, names, but I wonder if you have any success stories that you could share just, you know, how maybe lives have changed in some way. Yeah, I do. Uh, fortunately I have a really good track record and lots of testimonials. Um, uh, you know, from starting out, uh, I was I was seeing clients as I was in training, which is of course legal to do. Yeah. Uh, from those that knew me already, so it was a way to gain some practice and exposure and uh, get my feet wet with the training that I was receiving. And really, from the get go, people were finding 
uh, more meaning and more satisfaction in their lives. They were they were getting things done on their to-do list, uh, picking up old goals that had been with them a while. Um, and what I started to notice pretty quickly is that they were starting to like who they were, sometimes for the first time, which is an incredible process to witness. Yeah. Because um, uh, I suffered with that for a long time. I know what it is not to like yourself. And our Americans are really good at not liking themselves. You know, shame and guilt and self-judgment are really, really common. Sure. I learned how to stop doing that as much and then help other people not do that as much. And so what I, what I realized early on in this coach training was helping me to do it even better was that I was working around people's belief systems, like their self-view and, and how they view the world, uh, their perceptions, their attitudes, their outlook on life. Um, what their values are, what their strengths are. So this really deep, deeply inner uh, aspects of being human. And it turns out that's where all of our actions come from. That's where our best goals actually come from. That's where our purpose comes from. Once we can uncover those things and accept them and kind of like ourselves at the same time, <laughs> it's amazing what people are able to do. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I think uh, you talked about it some in, in um, your episode when you were telling your story just about uh, acceptance. And I, I love that word because I think that is one of the hardest things to do for a lot of people. It's been hard for me for my whole life. It's accepting who you are and what you look like and the things you do and the things you've done wrong. And, and then moving forward saying, I'm you know, it is what it is basically. And then how can I get better from today? And just that word though, acceptance. I love it. Yes, I do too. And like, there's a posture that goes with it. Uh, like through human history, it's, it's really this idea of uh, maybe in village life way back when in our common history that uh, it was common for, and it is still in parts of the world, of course, for a neighbor or uh, another village to come over and offer a gift when they come to your house. And, okay. and it's, it's polite in most cultures to say yes to whatever that is, you know? And so the posture physically is like hands, um, both hands outward with palms lifted up to receive whatever it is that they're giving you. And I found that really helpful. Whereas resistance would be the opposite which is like fist close or pushing the, the palm towards the, the person bringing you that gift. Oh, yeah, I see. That's that's a great visual. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and it, it, yeah go ahead. Oh, um, lost my train of thought. No, you, you finish and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kind of piggyback off that. Yeah, because I can run on with some of these things, but, but I love it so much. But, but that was really critical for me, that posture idea, because I live a lot in my head. And, and to be able to physically have something to do with that concept of acceptance was super helpful. Um, it, yeah, because what, uh, alcoholism is about like non-reality, <laughs> about sure. pretending and denying. And uh, that's just the nature of the illness, whether you want it to be or not. And, and I was like, no, I want to I be real. You know, I want to be uh, who I really am and take that journey. I'm like, I've already found out who I'm not and how to pretend all those years. I wonder what it's like to be authentic 
Yeah. And, uh, I imagine it's yeah. freeing in a way. Oh my gosh. It's so liberating. Now there's plenty of challenges that come with it too. Right. But you know, I don't, it's alcoholic humor, but I don't have to remember what I did last night, <laughs> you know, and I don't have to, I don't have to make up a story about it if I forgot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. And you know, I think it's why, uh, it's, I don't remember what age I was at, but I really took an interest in self-improvement and mental health and understanding. And with that, I, you know, I realized it's not, it's also about understanding other people and accepting other people and that none of us are living a perfect life. And if nothing has gone wrong for you yet, it's still may. And when that does happen, you're going to want somebody else to accept you for who you are and the things you've done wrong. And that's, that's almost harder to do. You know, and we're we're so good at judging other people for w- what they do as if we're somehow better. But most of the time, we're we're not any better than the next person. We've just had a different experience, a different life. That's right. You know, we live in a competitive society, and uh, there's a lot of merit or meritocracy. You know, you you get what you earn, and and whoever's the best wins. Well, that that leaves a lot of people out. And I'm not saying it's a bad system. I'm saying that it's uh, it's not a perfect system. And um, one of the challenges for those of us that are trying to live what I would call like a courageous, authentic life mm-hmm. um, is that you're going to get knocked around when you try to do it. <laughs> and not just by your inner world, but by the outside world. And, uh, you know, the world around us still competes and, and we'd love to be busy and productive, which is super challenging on people right now that, uh, you know, that still have to believe that mindset and, and, you know, and we're rewarded for being the best. Yeah. Uh, and and so all that comes into play, these are like the social factors that are sometimes unconscious that we don't see, but that can affect us on a personal level really easily. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, competitive. I think I want to be productive and I want to be really good at whatever I do, but I also don't ever want that to make other people feel like they should be doing what I'm doing. Cause I think that because of social media and just the way the world is, we see other people doing that and we feel like we should also, but I don't want people to feel like they need to be doing what I'm doing or at the level that I'm doing. And I think it is just about figuring out what actually, what actually makes you happy. It doesn't have to be podcasting you don't have to be famous you don't have to be creative if you're not it's it's what is what is it that you want to do and i yeah i think people have just they're ah, maybe lost sight of that or don't know how to do that which i think why that's why something like what you do is so important yeah i love that and and that's a realization that i had too with coaching on a deeper level is that this it's missing in our social fabric right now. So again, I'm just naturally a visionary type and yeah. I'm, I'm looking for those things and then, uh, finding out how to get from where we're at to, to another place, which is the definition of coaching. And, sure. and, but what I apply to that is a deep sense of the self. And in our times there's individualism, which again, I'm not opposed to, but, that has its limits and you can only go so far with, you know, finding out, um, just who you are and, and what makes you happy alone. 
like you said, it's it's also about uh, being there for other people and, and finding out what makes them happy. Yeah, um, there's a sense of fulfillment in that too, I think. Absolutely, and that's where purpose comes in. You know, there's happiness, which we can experience on a personal level, and sometimes in, on the group level, but really happiness is, is more about, am I happy? You know, what makes me happy? Yeah. And where purpose, and both words are good words, but purpose is more about, uh, what difference do I make in the world? You know, it's an outward looking. It's, how do I help? that person or that organization or that system and that's where we can tap into ourselves and find out what makes us happy but also what gives us meaning and that's a very different word you know what gives my life value even when i'm not happy what makes it still worth it and and i found a lot of meaning in early recovery and because it was hard work i wasn't happy yeah you know it took me several months but it was meaningful and, and so I didn't want to get drunk because I thought this is better. You know, it's hard, but it's better. Um, and then purpose came out of the meaning, the value that I felt. I, I accepted myself better and, and had a lot of outside support and spiritual realizations that weren't mine. You know, that just I felt like I was loved deeply. And I thought, well, I can do something with this. It was empowering. Sure. So, yeah. So that's what created purpose. Well, what do you think people can do right now to work on those things when, you know, I I think everyone's sort of uncertain about their own future, about the world's future, about what's going to happen in the next week. So what, you know, being stuck at home, isolated, quarantined, what do you think people can do just to, to stay positive and keep searching for meaning and purpose and happiness? Yeah, you know, it's a tough question. It's a big question. We're all trying to ask it right now. Yeah. And I ask it of myself several times a day. What can I do? <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, and so I'm, I'm in it with you, people. You know, uh, I'm definitely in the same situation. Hopefully I'm in the same boat with you. Um, but there are some things that, that I do and that I uh, have found are, are helpful to others. And really the first thing you can do is let the moment be what it is. That's the hardest thing to do, but it relates back to that acceptance. Yeah. This is a hard time. We want answers, and we are used to getting them fast. And these answers are not coming fast. And at least at the time of this episode interview, um, there's more and more folks getting quarantined, and the numbers are rising on, on deaths and uh, those affected by coronavirus. That's scary. It scares me yeah. and makes me anxious. And so let the moment be what it is means not try to get ahead of the game too far. We don't know what's ahead. And human beings have this capacity from our history. Uh, it's in your DNA somewhere deep down inside to get through adversity like this, times just like these. People have done it over and over and over again. So it's helpful in letting the moment be what it is to look back in your own history at the struggles that you've come through and how you did it. And look at those times that were really, really tough that you didn't see a way ahead and you didn't have a clue how you were going to make it through, but yet you did. Yeah. And look at, and look at the things that helped you to do that. Get specific about those things. Yeah, and then because I'm a coach, you know, I have to say things in three. So the third thing <laughs> is, is 
list out on a piece of paper or in an app what matters most to you. What do you value? What makes your life meaningful right now? And this could be family members, friends. I usually don't have to say anything because people just start writing. They already know. Yeah. I love that. Whatever that is. Yeah. that, That right now, and that'll put you in the present moment. That'll stick you in the present moment to where you can believe that you might make it through. You can hold on to the things that you value. I think, um, I think it was Warren Buffett is where I heard this, but it's, it was a similar thing where you, it doesn't work as well now, but writing down your top 50 or 25 goals in life, just things you want to do, not necessarily a bucket list, but things you want to focus on. And then only keeping the top five from that. And then that's your list. That's the thing. Those are the goals that you need to focus on. If you finish one, you can move on to another one, but it's like, those are the five that you should just really commit to. And if anything, there's anything that doesn't fall into that, those categories, then you just don't worry about them. And, you know, that sounds similar to what you're talking about in a way that's just like focus on the things right now, write down things that are important right now that you can, that you can focus on if it's family or friends or whatever it is. But I, I love, I love the idea of making a list. So it's like seeing the, it's a visual you can look at what, what is actually important to you. That's right. And, and we're good, again, at, in our society at living in our heads. We're, you know, very conceptual, especially with more technology, which I'm a fan of, but it, it has its drawbacks. Sure. Uh, you know, we tend to live in our heads a lot and abstract our lives. Um, and I've learned, like, I have a self-care plan that I give to people. It's real simple. Um, and one of the steps is do it. That is the entire step. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Because, and the reason that I made that its own step in, in the plan, and I have other plans that I, that's its own step too, is because we come so far in thinking about things to do and, and developing mental goals uh, and even having emotion in the goals that we form. And then we don't take the action. We don't take the steps and create the tasks that we need to do to achieve the goal. Yeah. So just like your suggestion, which is a great one, your top five, and what do you need to do to start pursuing those goals? That that could lead to happiness. Nothing wrong with pursuing happiness in this time either. I talked about meaning, but happiness, what fulfills you? Not just makes your life meaningful, but what what makes you smile? What brings up joy in your life? What gives you hope? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's I really like that, thinking about that and you know, while I'm, I'm usually big picture thinking about all the things I want to accomplish. I think the short term is important too. just getting through a day. And, um, yeah, again, just love the idea of making a list. Like you were talking about steps, like how do you get there? I think that's been important for me just because I get overwhelmed with all the thoughts I have and the things I want to do. So sometimes listing out just little things in a day, maybe it's just doing laundry or, doing the dishes, something where I can feel like I've accomplished something in the day and I'm moving towards something where I can, I again, have that visual where I can see what I've actually done, what I've accomplished. So I don't feel like I'm just sitting still. It's, but that's always been very helpful for me. Yeah. We all need a sense of accomplishment. All people do. And so, uh, taking those larger goals those big ideas, 
I, I can certainly relate to that because I, I mean, I, I do mind maps in my own head all day. I've got a hundred of them right now. I'm sure. Yeah. You know? And, and, and what I, what my wife excels in is list making. She's a completely different personality type. And, and I've learned from her how to, <laughs> excuse me, how to, uh, how to make daily lists. I could do it before, but she really helps to keep me on track. And, from the present moment that I'm in where I have this vision to, okay, I can see maybe two years down the line, but what until then, you know, yeah. it's all that in between space. And that's where those daily or, you know, time dependent lists and, and tasks really, really are important. Sure. Definitely. Well, Charles, I think we're about out of time, but I wonder, is there any uh, last thought you have or anything you want to uh, plug uh, your website? Maybe. Sure. Yeah, a couple of things. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Again, my name is Charles Gossett. I'm a life purpose coach. The name of my business is Full Integration Coaching. You can find me on my website at www.fullintegrationcoaching.com. A follow along on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Uh, my podcast is called the Live Your Purpose Podcast. And right now, I do say during this this time of coronavirus. I've taken 25% off of my rate. Uh, I've been doing remote coaching for five years, Zoom, Skype, and phone anywhere in the world. And I have an online portal that I invite all my clients into that has, uh, you know, these visual lists and worksheets and uh, session notes and all this cool stuff where you can stay accountable in between sessions. And so love to chat with anybody who's interested. Awesome. Well, Charles, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think this is, it's been helpful for me. Hopefully, hopefully it's helpful for other people and hope to talk to you more down the line. That sounds great, Jay. Love to have you on the show. Oh, well, anytime. You just let me know. Okay, I will. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Charles. You bet. Thanks. All right. Bye. All right, that is it for this week. But if you would like to be on the show in the future, please go to miscimportantstuff.com slash talk to me and I will get in touch with you about scheduling a time to talk. All topics are welcome. All people are welcome. And I look forward to talking with you soon. But until then, and as always, if you like this episode, please let me know. If you hated this episode, please let me know. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please let me know. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next week.